0: Hello, hello. All right. I totally and utterly have like abandoned the month series because now we're in May. We're still in the April series. It's a whole goof. I'm very confused, but we're going to get through it. And we're going to finish our series on unity today. And You know, we've taken the last couple sessions to explore how meditation specifically might be a practice that promotes a sense of unity in a time when we really need it and when we really don't feel it, right? And we are using this, like, lovely confluence of holidays that happened in April, Easter, Passover, Ramadan, as our, like, wake-up call, as the universe saying, hey, pay attention. This is your moment. This is what you need. We got to come together. And we started the series, if you remember, talking about renewal, rebirth, themes of Easter, through the lens of presence in our practice, right? Coming to the present moment. And then we looked at forgiveness and faith through the lens of non-judgment in our practice. And today we're going to look at expansion and liberation, freedom through the lens of compassion. And I think, especially you guys in the live class, you have meditated with me a really long time, and you have probably heard me say ad nauseum, presence, non-judgment, compassion. Right? This is the definition that I use to frame our meditation practice. It's to be in the present moment without judgment and with compassion. And if you pay attention, you notice that every single month, I talk about those three tenets in some way, shape, or form, right? Because over and over again, we are teaching ourselves how to embody these three pieces presence, non judgment, compassion. But as we were working on this series, particularly, you know, one of the things I noticed is I always teach it just like I'm teaching this month. We have a week that we talk about presence. We have a week that we talk about non judgment. We have a week that we talk about compassion. And because I always teach it as disparate elements, it occurred to me that it might feel like I have to pick. Today, I'm focused on presence. And tomorrow, I'm going to focus on compassion or whatever it is, right? Like I have to choose what to focus on in my practice. And so really what I want to talk about tonight is the fact that these elements are entangled. And certainly we could look at them as one individual piece, but the truth of the matter is they exist within a meditation practice as a whole. We don't have to choose one or the other to focus on. All three are present all of the time. You know, it's interesting because I, not in this live class, but, you know, I'm teaching this course this year called Elemental Awakening, and each month we're looking at a different element, earth, air, fire, water. And I said the same thing in class. We just moved from air into fire. And I was like, hey, I know we're switching elements, but it doesn't mean we're leaving air behind. Like, oh, I'm done with that. I'm not going to pay attention to air anymore. It exists alongside fire. We just added to our picture. And our practice is the same. These tenets exist together as a whole. So I just got to have a conversation with Dr. Andrew Newberg, who is a neuroscientist, and more specifically, he's a neurotheologist. He studies what spirituality does to the brain, essentially. And he was a guest on the podcast about a year ago. And he'll be a guest the week after this class airs on the podcast as the wrap up to this series. And I wanted to talk to him about basically exactly what he does. What is it about spiritual practice, whether that is religious, whether that is meditation, whether it's time in nature or some creative act? What is it about a spiritual endeavor? What does it do in our brain? And the takeaway for me that was so interesting is study after study after study after study. What they saw is it doesn't matter what the spiritual practice is. If it is a practice that emphasizes love, compassion, connection, a sense of oneness our mental and emotional and physical health dramatically increase. If it is a practice that seeks domination over other practices, meaning a practice that says, this is the one, there is no other, you must do it this way, you must believe this certain thing, right? Practices that have any type of ism attached to them, sexism, racism, elitism. Obviously, there is a significant decline in mental, emotional, and physical health. Practices that emphasize connection boost our health. They boost our wellness. And we're in this moment where time or space, where nature is saying, hey, to heal, you've got to connect. To heal, you have got to connect. And yet we are all crawling out from under our rocks after two and a half years of don't be around other people, don't connect. We have separated, 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 whether you have done that willingly or in a very upset way, whether you have done a little bit or a ton, it is ingrained in our conversations, in our rhetoric, in our action to separate. We have created new neural pathways in our brains that preach separation. That feels like the norm. And this is what's so interesting. The science shows us that we forget what makes us feel better if we don't do it, right? I know you know this. We all have experienced this in our life. We eat really healthy for 30 days and we're like, I feel amazing. And then you eat cheeseburgers for a month and you feel horrible, but you forget that if you just started eating vegetables again, you'd feel better, right? It's the same thing in nature. There's like unbelievable studies around how much we forget how good it feels to go outside. That's why there's such a deficit of outdoors time. When you go outside, you're like, oh my God, I feel so much better. I'm clearer, I'm happier, I'm more awake. But when we don't do it, we forget. When we don't connect, we forget that this is the thing that actually makes us feel better, safer, healthier, happier. So our practice is maybe one of the ways that we can start to create new neural pathways, right? You know, you've heard all the science around mindfulness meditation. This is like the most touted benefit is that it creates new neural pathways, meaning it connects two spots in your brain. And every time you repeat the connection from point A to point B, it happens a little bit faster, So the neural pathway you can think of is every time my mother says this, I respond this way. And she doesn't even have to finish the sentence anymore, right? She can just go, honey, I, and you're like, mom, right? I can see it in my kids already. They don't even know what I'm going to say. And the response is already triggered. They're seven and three, right? (laughs) And it's the neural pathway. Our practice lets us create a new one. So, You start to feel that like response rising up and your brain goes, oh, actually, I wanted to respond with, I hear you, mom. What a lovely dinner you've cooked for me tonight. Thank you, says my (laughs) seven-year-old. And so our practice invites us to create these new neural pathways. And we do this by taking our seat. We likely sit in a very similar way every time we practice. And the way that we arrange our body on a couch, in a bed, on a cushion, however you choose to sit, this is our act of coming into the present moment. Because maybe it's the first time you really feel like, oh, I have so much tension in the back of my neck. Or, God, I'm exhausted and I want a cushion behind me to lean back onto. Right? We feel our body, we come into the present moment. And then we set the timer and we close our eyes and we feel our breath and all these things happen. We think or we worry or we feel and then the practice becomes one of non-judgment because we work to not get upset about any of that, just to say, okay, this is what's here today. And then there's a softening, a softening in our bodies because we said, okay, this is what's here today. And the more we can allow that to be there, the more we can be compassionate with ourselves, we're creating this neural pathway of this is uncomfortable and okay at the same time. I had the experience today, actually. You know, I sat down to meditate. I had quite a busy meditation, there's a lot of thoughts. I felt really distracted. I actually opened my eyes multiple times in the practice. And I was like, oh, I really like, wanted this to be a lovely practice today, and it's, it's not. It's very uncomfortable. And I stayed and did the practice anyway, just as I always do. And I opened up my journal, and I started journaling, and I had a lot of insight come out of this really unpleasant practice, truth be told. It was still worthwhile, right? And we start to create that neural pathway of, this is uncomfortable, and it's worthwhile. Or this is difficult and I'm okay. And then that moves out into the world. And I think, I think this is like maybe my favorite part of the practice. Is that because these elements are entangled, because they act as a whole, it doesn't really matter why you came to the practice. Because some of us come to the practice because we're very anxious. And some of us might come because we're seeking a better relationship with ourselves or the people in our lives. Some of us might come because work is very difficult or we're going through a tough time in our lives. It doesn't really matter. If we show up consistently to the practice, these three elements make themselves known. And it might be that at one time, one element is more apparent than the others, but ultimately they all show up. One of the podcasts I listen to regularly is 10% Happier with Dan Harris. So it's a meditation podcast. Highly recommend it. It's great. And Dan Harris is so interesting. He was like this ABC anchor, amazing. A decade or so ago, he had a panic attack on air. And because of that panic disorder, he started meditating. And he co-authored a book I believe it's called Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics. And then he wrote his own book, 10% Happier. And if you listen to his podcasts, he is so clear that he is not in it for sunshine and rainbows. He's like allergic actually to sunshine and rainbows. He is not interested in your hippy dippy nonsense. He is not here for the ooey gooey. He is here for the science and to feel better. But he's been meditating, I don't know how long, but it, more than a decade. And the new book that he's working on is on compassion. And every time one of his podcast guests brings up like a heart practice or a compassion practice, he always makes some quip about, man, I'm averse to the ooey-gooey, and compassion is not ooey-gooey. It's not sunshine and rainbows. In fact, sometimes it's incredibly uncomfortable. But it's an entangled piece of the practice. You can't escape it. Even if you think you're allergic to it, you can't actually escape it. If you practice meditation, ultimately what you're practicing is something that invites in expansion, that invites in connection and compassion. And so I frame our talk tonight as a way for us to remember to remember the neural pathway of connection so that we remember it makes us feel better and we model it for other people let us be spreading connection and unity all of the time as best we can yeah all right long talk tonight thank you for listening let's Meditate together, yeah? So you've already been seated, right? You might shift around a little bit. You might wiggle in your chair or shift your legs. If you've slumped over, let yourself sit up nice and tall. Your shoulders can roll back and down. Hands rest onto the lap. And when you're ready, you might close your eyes. And if that doesn't feel quite right this evening, you can always take a soft gaze down towards the earth. And together as a group, we'll simply start our practice with our breath and inhale in through the nose. Exhale a sigh out of the mouth. And we'll just do that again. And inhale in through the nose. Exhale, let go of that breath with a sigh. And then you allow your breath just to flow. And you say to yourself... Now is my time to practice. Now is my time to meditate. And as you set that intention for yourself, you just say, sit down a little bit more. I don't have to hold myself up just so. I don't have to look a certain way or perform. So let me just sit down. And I'm going to let go all the way through my hips and my thighs. I'm going to let go through my belly and my back. My chest and my shoulders. Subtly we might lengthen the back of our necks so that we feel tall and upright. Maybe the crown of the head reaches up and back just to touch. As we sit and we breathe. We let go of the muscles across the face, creating some space between your eyebrows, softening the tightness across your eyes. Letting go along the temples, the jaw, the inside of the cheeks. You might just sort of scan down across your collarbone. inviting your collarbones to broaden a part of it letting your chest rise and fall Letting your belly expand and contract. And it's here in these first few minutes that perhaps for the first time all day, you notice how you feel. Just allowing your mind to scan through the body and notice. This awareness of our body and space, this is one way to practice presence. Letting all of your awareness rest right here in this moment. And in order to stay here, we will begin to feel our breath. This flow of air that only exists... In this moment. And so you feel the air as you breathe in. And you feel the air as you breathe out. And as you do this, you relinquish all judgment about how you're doing, relinquishing all judgment about how good or bad you are at meditation, at how good or bad your thoughts are or your feelings are. and rather you get to just simply sit right here and breathe and notice and perhaps soften Soften any resistance. Soften any of the walls or barriers that you might put up. And instead, we'll sit here together in silence. Each breath, a moment of presence, non-judgment and compassion all together. Each breath, a moment of expansion and connection. Let's sit for about eight minutes in silence here. gradually begin to feel your breath here. And over the course of this next breath or two, just notice where your mind was. And if you left, you invite yourself right back into this present moment, perhaps straightening up your spine if you've slumped over or pressing your shoulder blades back and down. As you wiggle your fingers and your toes, you let go of any judgment about how you did. When instead, you invite in that sense of softness or warmth towards yourself, towards your experience. And together, we take in one last breath, a nice deep inhale in through the nose. Exhale, release that sigh from the mouth. Taking all the time you need to blink your eyes open and let go of your practice. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Mindful Minute. If you're enjoying these episodes, please consider leaving me a review wherever you get your podcast. It really helps others to find this show. To learn more about my live classes, virtual meditation retreats, my meditation app Shoreline, or to make a donation to the show, please visit MerylArnett.com. Thanks again. I'll see you next week.